Good evening. I always enjoy our New Year's Eve service. I enjoy the New Year because I think it's a wonderful time for reflection, to evaluate our lives and seek to make improvements that we might better serve the Lord. Uh, every New Year I make certain resolutions, I adopt uh, certain uh, goals for that particular year. Over the years, those goals have changed quite a bit. They have looked quite different. One of the goals when I was a teenager was to dunk a basketball. I played uh, basketball in high school, and I was a center. I was a little short to be a center, but I was a center, and uh, I really wanted to dunk a basketball. I grew up in the era where Dr. J, many of you can remember him, some of you younger people, I don't know if you know. How many people know who Dr. J is? Dr. J? Julius Irving played for, uh, at the end, the the 76ers. And I got to tell you a Julius Irving story. Um, He was my hero because he was such a a good basketball player. And uh, I was... In the Reading area, I was at uh, Vandy Fair Outlets. And uh, there was a sporting goods store that was opening at the Vandy Fair Outlets, and the place was just mobbed. There's loads of people were gathered around and inside this sporting goods store. And so I went up to, and asked somebody in the crowd, I said, what's, what's going on? And they said, well, Julia Serving is going to come and uh, sign some autographs. Well, there was my hero. So I had to hang around to see... Julius Irving, and uh, I managed to make my way into the store, actually, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and uh, I had some place I had to be, so time was up, and I had to to leave, and I'm trying to make my way to the back door, and I get to the back door, and all of a sudden, it opens, and there he is, and there's the crowd, and so I'm standing literally shoulder to shoulder with Dr. J. Now, what's amazing about this is Dr. J in the uh, program was always listed at 6'6". I could look him in the eye. He was no 6'6", all right? He was maybe 6'4", at tops, which really blew me away when I thought of how he could jump because he was the first person, to my knowledge, that was ever able to take off from the foul line, fly through the air, and dunk a basketball. Now, he was the first one. And the film clippage of that is not not the best. Since then, uh, Pippen's been able to do it, and uh, LeBron James has been able to do it, and the most spectacular probably out of that group is uh, Michael Jordan. So I'd like you to, to look at this tape. That's what, yeah, he wants to indicate where he's going to take off on this dunk. See, the referees, wow. Norm Drucker and Earl Strom are officiating this action. That is also more or less to intimidate them. Say, look, I'm putting this <laughs> down. Right. Watch this tape. This is where I'm going to lead from. <laughs> he wants us judges to see that, too. Almost the length of the court he's going to go from. Here comes Michael Jordan. Fly. They love it. So does Michael Jordan. And his foot was honest to that tape. That's a 10 to me. 
I'm not a judge, but I gotta give him 10. Watch again. Take it to him, Michael. Is that it? That's it. Okay. Uh, now, in order to dunk a basketball, this is now a basketball clinic here, okay? In order to dunk a basketball, there are two basic skills. The first is that you have to jump high enough to clear the basket. Okay, that, that makes sense, right? You, gotta, you have to be able to get high enough that at least you get your wrist over the basket because you got to go like that. So you got to at least get high enough to get your, your wrist over the basket. Now, you can dunk with two hands, but that's much more difficult. You've got to jump a lot higher. It's, it's much more difficult to, to dunk with two hands. So most of the spectacular dunks you see with, with one hand, you've got to at least get your wrist. The people that are really good get their elbow, and that's when you get those spectacular dunks. But you can do it by getting your wrist. Well, I could always jump high enough, okay? I, I couldn't get my elbow by any means, but I could get up to about here over a basket. So I would have theoretically been a good dunker. But there was one problem. Here's the basketball. The second thing that you have to be able to do to dunk a basketball is you've got to be able to palm it. You've got to be able to hold it in one hand. Is that still above me? Yes, okay. You see him holding that in one hand? Okay, that's what you got to be able to do. My hand isn't big enough to palm a basketball. So I got to the place where I could jump high enough, but I never managed to dunk a basketball because I couldn't palm it. Now, Ben is going to come up here for me. I just found out Ben and I are about the same height. You're 6'2"? Yeah, I'm, I'm six two and a half. okay? Now, hold your hand up. Do you see that hand? Okay. So, go ahead. All right. Yeah, okay. Look at this, okay? Now, now he's going to show off. You ready here? No, oh, we'll do it again. Give me better. Oh, okay. That's impressive. That's impressive. Thank you. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're done. Uh, I so I could never palm a basketball, which uh, has always been a bane in my life. But that's the way it is. Can't dunk a basketball. Can't turn pages either. <clears throat> well, my goal this year is to redeem the time. That's my theme for my life this year. Redeem the time. What does that mean, redeem the time? Uh, actually, it's a concept that's kind of difficult to get your mind around to grasp. Okay, so there's the picture. Okay, redeeming the time. But it's hard to get your mind around what that is. That's actually a very broad concept to redeem the time. 
My verse for tonight is Ephesians 5.16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Then IV translates it, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The NAS translates it, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. So I want to unpack for you a little bit as to what is involved in redeeming the time. But before we do that, I want to ask the question, why does the time need to be redeemed? And the answer is, given to us in Ephesians 5.16, B, because the days are evil. We live in an evil period of time. The days are evil. Now, when it says that, it's not particularly talking about 2013 as opposed to 1950, as opposed to 1860, as opposed to 1720 or 1500, but it's talking about the period of time since Christ's death until he's coming. It's actually the age of time. That's why I had us read Galatians 1, 3. Grace be to you in peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us out of this present evil age. The present evil age. In the scripture, the world is seen to be divided up into two stages. Namely, the present stage and the stage after Christ's return. Matthew twelve thirty two, And whoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever shall speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. Furthermore, this present age is an evil one. And so Christ died in order to deliver us from this present evil age. When we consider that, there are two main ideas. First, there is a future deliverance when he establishes his kingdom and he delivers us from evil once and for all. When Christ returns, he is going to rid this world of evil. We will no longer sin. We are going to be sanctified. We're going to be glorified. We aren't going to do any evil. And evil, and even the evil one is going to be banished. Banished. So that there will be no evil in the future. But there is also a present deliverance from evil. This present deliverance speaks of the transformation that is to take place in our lives right now. Titus chapter 2, starting with verse 11, reads, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly 
in the present age. So in this present evil age, we are supposed to live godly lives, denying ungodliness, denying worldly desires, living sensibly and righteously in godly obedience. While we look for the blessed hope and the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, that blessed hope of the final restoration and complete removal of all evil. So tonight, my emphasis is on redeeming the time because the present day in which we are living is, in fact, evil. Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. So as I think about the Christian life, and I think about what is at the very core of our religious duty, the reason that we have been left here on the face of this earth, what is basic Christianity 101? What skills do we need to possess? I submit to you that it is redeeming the time in which we live. So, what does that mean? What does that look like? It is more than using our time wisely, though that is certainly involved. It is more than using our time wisely, although that is certainly a part of what it means. And so when we looked at these translations, well, when we looked at the translations, I don't have them in front of me, uh, the one said that it was to redeem every, uh, uh, excuse me, it was uh, to use your time wisely. Well, it's not even talking about your time, it's talking about the time. It's of talking about the age in which we live. So it's more than using our time wisely, although we want to use our time wisely. It's more than seizing every opportunity, although that also is included, and that's what's in the NIV's emphasis. But you see, it's bigger than that. It is the transformation of the world as we know it. The King James gives us the literal translation, redeem the time. And I can understand why the other translators tried to translate that differently because it doesn't communicate a great deal. But the idea is that Christ redeemed us for the purpose of our redeeming the time, the day and age in which we live. So we're back to what does that look like? How do we go about it? What are we to do to redeem the time? That's why I said this is a huge concept. That's why the basketball is out there redeeming the time and the, and the hand coming out of the brain. You're trying to get your brain around this and you just can't. You can't palm this. You can't grasp the whole thing. It is a huge responsibility that we have. 
So tonight, I want to just talk about the first step. What is the most basic element of redeeming the time? How can we start? What kind of resolution can we make tonight in order to redeem the time, in order to influence our world, in order to make a difference, in order to try to begin a transformation in which the evil round about us is exposed and changed to doing good and righteousness. How are we to do that? Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So it involves not letting the world conquer us, not being overcome by evil, resisting the evil around about us, and instead we conquer evil by doing good. All right, that makes sense. Again, what's the most basic element? What's the first step? And as I was studying the scripture in this particular subject, as I've adopted this as my goal for this year, I found a very interesting, consistent correlation. And that is that most often it speaks about our tongue. It speaks about our our speech, our conversations, our responses. For example, Colossians 4 or 5 says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Same phrase that's in our text, redeeming the time. And then it says this, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So here it's our speech that is to be gracious, forgiving, kind, beneficial, and seasoned with salt. Salt is a preservative. It is also that which adds spice. It's attractive. So our speech is supposed to be preservative. Uh, In Ephesians, it's we are to be lights in this world. Uh, We are to show forth the truth of the gospel. We are to be speaking truth. So it's seasoned with salt in the sense that it's preservative. It's preserving the truth. And it's also attractive. Scripture says a soft answer turns away wrath. The ways that we respond to people who are treating us in a malicious, evil way is to respond to them with gracious, kind, loving words. We are not to be complaining or argumentative. Philippians 2.14 2.14 states, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, because I'm going to be in these, these uh, two verses for a little bit. Philippians 2.14. Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. We've just come off a Thanksgiving season. And we know the scripture teaches us that we are to give thanks 
always. In all things give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. So we should be a constantly thankful people. That's at this end of the spectrum. That's when you have arrived. Constantly giving thanks for all things. You've made it. The starting point is this other end of the spectrum that's given to us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, doing all things without grumbling. That precedes a thankful spirit. That's where we start. Quit complaining about what you are experiencing, what you are going through. And the second is, quit disputing, NAS, Philippians 2.14, which is an argumentative spirit. It's having to prove yourself right. It's that sense of wanting control, okay? Just not letting things go, but arguing with people and giving people a hard time. We're to demonstrate the work of Christ in our lives. Notice Philippians 2.15, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent children of God above reproach, that no one can find fault with us for the way that we speak, the way that we respond. And then notice what is next. Philippians 2.15, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent children of God, above reproach, then these words, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's a description of living in evil days. We are in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, a crooked and perverse people among whom you appear as lights in the world. We are a beacon. We are to show forth how to live our lives in a Christ-honoring and Christ-pleasing way. That is a huge duty and an incredible responsibility. Can't get your arms around that in terms of what it means to really live our lives to the honor and glory of God. So we need to get something smaller. I couldn't palm a basketball. I can palm a red utility ball. You know, a lot of times that you use for a four square. If you got the right size red utility ball, I can palm that. And I could dunk that. And I used to have fun pretending that I was playing, you know, in a big game and stuff. And I would dunk a utility ball. But it's not very impressive. And I never took it to basketball practice and dunked the utility ball. You know, it just, it wasn't quite there. But, but it was a start. At least I could do that. Well, what I'm telling you tonight is, as we try this huge responsibility of changing the world in which we live, transforming it from darkness to light, trying to be an influence, trying to instill uh, righteousness and holiness in the lives of people. How do you do that? How do you even do that in your family? And I say to you, a place to start, the utility bowl that we can palm tonight is guarding our speech. 
guarding our language, guarding our conversations. In that, we can be a world changer. We can make a difference. We can make a difference in our homes. Not to be argumentative. Not to be critical. Not to be fault-finding. Not to be judgmental. Not to be having to have our own way and our own desires. Not being curt with people, but being courteous. Being kind. Expressing our thankfulness for others, for the things they do to us. It starts in our home. And then it moves out to our workplace, our community, our school, wherever we may find ourselves. We are to be performing a redemptive work. Jesus redeemed us. He bought us to transform us. And now we are to be doing a redemptive work in our society, in our world, and in people. It starts with our speech. Speech that is free from evil. Evil in a multitude of ways. So that, for example, we speak truth, not lies. We put off the evil of lying, exaggerating, hyperbole. And not only do we speak the truth in the sense that we don't lie, but we speak the truth in the sense that we we speak forth what the Word of God has to say. And Ephesians talks about not being taken by the deceitful words of this world. Secondly, we are to be gracious as opposed to harsh. By being an encourager as opposed to a complainer. By being supportive rather than being argumentative. In Ephesians In the very passage that we are in, it says, speaking the truth of Christ and not of evil things that are done by people in secret. So that the very essence of our conversation isn't about evil things. We're not telling dirty stories. We're not relishing in all of the troubles that are going on in this world. We we aren't titillated by gossip and things that are inappropriate but rather we're speaking the truth about Jesus Christ. We're telling people about how to be saved. We're, we're, we're talking about things that are uplifting and encouragement and a help. And in that small way, we can begin to change our world. We can change our workplace. We can change our relationships. We can change our home life. We can actually redeem the time that we're in. We're surrounded by evil. We're not to let it overcome us. We're to overcome it by doing good. And tonight the thought is, let's do the good by starting with palming the utility bowl of simply guarding our speech. That we are living righteously in the way that we speak and not letting evil enter into our, our speech. Because we know, of course, in order to do that, we've got to guard our hearts. Because James says, and Jesus says, that uh, it is out of the heart that the mouth speaks. So it's very important to guard our speech. Let's pray. 
Our Father, we thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. We look forward to that day in which we're going to be delivered from evil when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And there will be no more evil. There will be no more lying. There will be no more cheating. There will be no more evil one. But until then, we have been left to live in this present evil age. But you have left us here with a purpose. And that is that we are to redeem this age in which we live. We are to be creating righteousness in the day and age in which we live. Certainly that means people need to come to Christ. Certainly that means we need to speak of the Savior. Lord, I pray that you would help us to guard all aspects of our speech. That, Lord, uh, we demonstrate in this crooked and perverse generation in which we live, even as Philippians says, we might be lights, showing forth the brightness of your glory, showing forth what you have done in our lives, how we are a thankful people who aren't complaining but are rejoicing in all that we experience by your good hand. So guard our, our hearts, our minds, and especially our tongues, I pray. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to